For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, we thank you for the ascension of your son, his glorification, his being enthroned to sit at your right hand until you make his enemies a footstool to his feet. We thank you that he is our high priest. And we thank you that you have called St. Bartholomew's into being to be the continuation of your son's presence on this earth by the power of your spirit. May we do so, Lord, authentically for the sake of your name and your kingdom here in East Dallas. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Wonderful to see everyone. Are you enraptured by the ascension yet? Have you caught on that it's Ascension Sunday? So Ascension Day was this past Thursday. It's how many days after Easter? Forty. Forty. So put yourself in the disciples' place. You've been sometimes, you know, on again, off again, hanging out with your friend Jesus, who's also God, who was dead but is raised again, who sometimes shows up randomly on the seashore, will cook you fish with a charcoal fire, uh, will appear randomly in locked doors, etc., So you've been hanging out with him for 40 days and you're kind of getting used to this. It's kind of nice. You know, you've got, he's telling us everything that was written about him and the law, the prophets and the Psalms, et cetera, et cetera. And then after 40 days, he is taken up into the sky, the heavens, and a cloud surrounds him and he's gone. And two angels come and say, hey, men of Galilee, why why do you gaze at this? This Jesus who you've seen, who's been taken from you, will come again just as you've seen him leave. Now, the Ascension is one of the most underrated feasts. A, maybe because it doesn't happen on a Sunday. So people don't get regular exposure to it. So here we are doing it on a Sunday. But two, we tend to confuse the resurrection and the Ascension. You see, when Jesus was resurrected or raised again, he was on the earth. He was with the disciples when he wanted to be. He was touchable, tangible, all that kind of stuff. But he was, as theologians say, circumscribed by space. And because he was present at one place at one time, he could not be present to all of his people as the church would grow, as we'll read in the book of Acts. And that's why he said in in John's gospel, trust me, it's better for me, it's better for you that I leave. Because when I go... I will send the helper, the paraclete, 
the one who will come alongside, the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. And so sure enough, Jesus ascends and is truly absent from us, but he's present to us in his absence by the power of the Holy Spirit and because he's at the right hand of the Father. And theologian Tom Wright says, the right hand of the Father is just maybe shorthand for the control room of the universe, meaning he can be everywhere, always present to his people from that place of authority, from that place of power. So his real absence from us is his real presence to us and to his people at all times. That's why he can say, when any of you gather, two or more gather in my name, I'm thinking about you with wistful wishes. No, I am there in your midst. So Jesus' ascension means that he's absent from us, but because of that, he can be present to us at all times. Secondly, it means that he is interceding for us. The fuel that we have for mission, this feast that we enjoy each Sunday, it's presided over by our great high priest, who was both priest and victim at the cross, giving of himself, shedding his blood, pouring himself out as a substitution, as a sacrifice, as a ransom, all these words that the New Testament uses so that he could redeem us, so that we could be redeemed and ransomed and rescued, saved by God. Now, he lives to make intercession for us, St. Paul says. He lives to make intercession for us, to pray for us, to direct our work of mission and ministry, to give us vision, to give us clarity, to be sort of the, what one theologian writing about the ascension says, it's like he's the, the air fire, the air cover, as we're the troops on the ground, he's giving that, that heavenly weaponry, that's probably not great imagery here, but, but he's giving us power from heaven to continue in his name for his kingdom. The writer to the Hebrews sums it up like this, and I'm going to stop here with the ascension because... Today, in the next several Sundays, we're going to be talking about our vision and our values as St. Bart's. But listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says and how it transitions so nicely and smoothly into our first value that we're going to look at. He says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So Jesus has passed through the heavens He's our high priest. This is speaking of his ascended nature of taking our flesh. Remember, he was born of the Virgin Mary, has our flesh on him. Now it's glorified because of the resurrection. But he took that flesh where? Not to the circle K, but to the right hand of God. So that's why he is a, a, literally a high priest. A priest, in the Old Testament sense of the word, is a mediator. Someone who goes between two parties in, the, in Israel's sense, between the people of Israel and God, between God and man. Jesus perfectly does that. That's why St. Paul calls him the God-man, the mediator who gives himself as a ransom. So Jesus, as a high priest, takes our, our stuff, our flesh, our sarks, our onto, ontology, takes it with him into the presence of the Father. It's amazing. That's all in that little thing. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who's passed through the heavens for us, let us hold fast our confession. Remember what you know, is what we sang earlier. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, 
yet without sin. He can sympathize with our weakness. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen and amen. Over the last seven months, we have been working on vision and values here at St. Bart's. We began in October with a retreat with our vestry of taking the five images of St. Bartholomew. I won't go through those now. And, and talking over those with the vestry and then forming a vision team with, with some of you part of that vision team and, and taking the five images and some of the values that we perceive and from that spring, five values that we say, these aren't things that we want to be. Of course, we do want to be them, but these are things that we actually experience in St. Bart's. And I'm going to list those five values for you. Are you ready? You can write them down. Oh, thank you for your effort tonight. So I'm going to be in, in much more like a teaching mode instead of, you know, proclamation mode. Authenticity. We'll talk about what that means. Authenticity. Secondly, hospitality. Hospitality. Third, mystery. Mm, mystery. Fourth, wholeness and healing. Those kept showing up so much that we lumped them together in the German fashion into one word. Wholeness, wholeness healing. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> Listen, it's summer. I make no apologies. Rootedness. Rootedness. Isn't that lovely? And that's from you all. That's not from a cadre of people in some back room playing poker and saying, well, let's do these things. This is what you all have said. You experience authenticity, hospitality. You exhibit and experience mystery, wholeness, and healing. Oh, I hear that all the time when I'm sitting down for coffee or lunch with you. Rootedness. And here's the vision that we have. The vision for St. Bart's is to connect, with the, connect the people of East Dallas with God and his people, so that we all might behold him and become more like him. The shorthand version, because that's pretty long and wordy, the shorthand version is behold and become. We want to behold God. We want to stand in awe of him. We want to see his revelation. And we want to become more like him. We want to be remade in his image and in his likeness. Or as St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, that we would be transformed with our, with our faces unveiled now in this, this uh, spiritual liberty that's been given us by the gospel, that's been given us by the Spirit of God. We with unveiled faces are being transformed from, degree, from one degree of glory to another, greater and greater as we ascend, if you will, into our life with God. So behold and become is not only a vision for us as a, as a church, as a community, that we are guided and directed by the worship of God so that we might become more like God, doing God's mission and God's will. But it's also an aspirational value and vision for us as individuals as we move towards our heavenly rest, as we move towards the kingdom that is coming. You heard Chris preach about it last week. Revelation 22, they shall see God, 
This is in the, in the new heavens and the new earth. They shall see God and his name shall be on their foreheads. In that position of adoration, of face to face with God, breathing in his divine life, behold, this revelation, we breathe out his praise. We're becoming more and more like him. So that's the vision, to connect the people of East Dallas. And of course, it doesn't mean if you don't live specifically within East Dallas, you can't be here. That's a placeholder. East Dallas and beyond. It's like Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. To connect the people of East Dallas with God and his people, that's us. We're God's people, his church. It's a fancy way of saying church. So that we might behold him and become more like him. Now, Let's think about this first value of authenticity. What is authenticity? Wow, it feels a little loaded. We could say anything we really want right now. We're coming to terms with one another. What does authenticity mean? Let me tell you what the vision team came up with. And by the way, I was an innocent bystander. I was helpful and present, but I didn't run the thing. So I just want everybody to know that. (laughs) Where did I write it down? Here it is. Our definition of authenticity is God knows us and loves us. So we seek to be honest about who we truly are. We, and we trust in his grace that he loves us in our brokenness. So God knows us as we are. And we're honest about who we truly are because of that. And we trust in his grace that he loves us in our brokenness. Every Sunday, we pray this beautiful prayer, the colic for purity. Thomas Cramner, it used to be a, a prayer, I believe in the Sarum Mass, which was the, it was the worship at the uh, cathedral at Salisbury, that the priest would say quietly under his breath before Holy Communion. Thomas Cramner, the, the guy who really pulled the prayer book together in 1549, or published then, he took that prayer from the lips of the priests and put it into the mouths of the people at the very beginning of the worship service. So, One way we exhibit this authenticity is by saying that collect for purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. So right there, we're reminding ourselves that God knows us exactly as we are. From you no secrets are hid. So that's the sort of beholding, if you will. Listen to the second part of the prayer or the petition. I have to say it in order, or I can't say it. I can't stop in the middle of it. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. We behold God. We realize that when we see God, we even acknowledge the reality that we see God, even though we don't see him, in a final and ultimate way, we see God and we realize that we cannot stay the same. We realize that nothing sinful can be in his presence, just like Isaiah, when he has this vision of God in the temple. And he says, woe is me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So that, that communicates, that exhibits the authenticity that people say we feel like is here at St. Bart's.
So that's really authenticity before God. Here's another authenticity before God. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Boom. It's pretty clear. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all our sin and to forgive us. Excuse me, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and to forgive us our sin. So we can be honest with ourselves before God about who we are. Now, the Oxford English Dictionary says this about authenticity. The state of being real, actual, genuine. Our culture today would say that authenticity perhaps... I think it's any, what anybody would say. That's their definition of authenticity. But it could just be me unapologetically. And Chris was helping me. Chris is much brighter than me, FYI. You all know. I know you know that. But I'm just saying that out loud for the record for the cyber world. But as Chris and I were uh, processing authenticity, he said, well, there's cheap authenticity, which just says, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And if nobody likes it, you know, forget them which I don't think that's the authenticity that our vision team had in mind when they were, maybe they were. I may have been napping at that point. I'm just kidding. He said, that's a cheap authenticity. He said, real authenticity that, that is in a community of people requires two things. On the front end, this real, true authenticity demands vulnerability. It demands it of each of us. That we're vulnerable, obviously, before God, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, etc. We've been through that. But now we're talking about the horizontal. It demands vulnerability on the front end, but also on the back end, it demands responsibility. It's easy to be authentic and leave a wake of dead bodies in our path. But that's not true authenticity. That doesn't bring the community to bear in our mind. And since we're the body of Christ, God, did you hear St. Paul's words? The fullness of him who fills all in all. God, what a beautiful, beautiful letter Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. But God took Jesus and put him as the head of the church, his body. And somehow we get to be the receptacle and the, the medium and the pathway for his fullness to fill not only us, but to fill other people. Authenticity is humbled at that. Authenticity acknowledges our brokenness and our inability, our inadequacy to be that without the intervention of an almighty, loving God. So that's authenticity. As I meditated on authenticity, a few things came to my mind. The first thing was when I thought, what are the fruits of, of this authenticity practically in the church? Well, the, one of the things, one of the fruits is rest. When we're really real about who we are before God, about who God is to us, and because this authenticity stands on our weakness, does that make sense? If we're, if we're authentic with ourselves, we're weak. We have nothing. But it, it doesn't end there. It stands also on the goodness of God. We throw ourselves on the goodness of God because he's got this invitation to us to come to him. And so one of the fruits of authenticity is rest. Hey, I don't, 
I don't control that. That's out of my territory. God's the ruler of the universe. You know who also is the head of the church? Not only the universal church, but this local church? Jesus, the one who's at the right hand of the Father, the one who's our great high priest and mediator and intercessor. So as the pastor of the church, what do I do with this authenticity? Do I freak out and try to do more stuff and make more stuff happen, do more church business? I, just have, I have to hit the deck and pray, and I can rest. And I'll be authentic with you guys. Like Sometimes I need to do a better job of not taking on so much, taking on the weight and the burden of this and of that, and say, you know what, Lord, that's yours. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to work, and I'm going to do it, but I'm going to pray. I can rest. What other fruits are there of authenticity in community before God? Well, another one is trust. We really put our money where our mouth is and we ask ourselves, do we trust you, Lord? We, some of those words we sang earlier, you will never leave or forsake. I've been in situations where I thought, why did you leave me and forsake me, God? Sure seems like you weren't there. Authenticity breeds trust. It can breed trust between us and God. It can breed trust between each other as we responsibly and vulnerably share with one another, we deepen trust. We see that happen in pastorates. Gosh, I've heard so many stories about you and your pastorates, and I'm so glad. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I'm honest. It's amazing what God is doing. And we've got another one bubbling up. Dinners for Nine is about to be a place where, yeah, it's a dinner party, and yeah, we're eating food, yeah, but, but trust is going to be deepened. Relationships formed. Bonds made. There was a pastor who was a very witty pastor once, and he went to visit uh, a lady who lived out on the edge of town, and he hadn't seen her in a few weeks, and so he went to her house and knocked on the door. This was before the days of texting. So he just knocked on the door, and no one answered, and he looked around, and he said, well, look, you know, it looks like she's home, but whatever, and he got out his personal stationery and his fountain pen, left a little note, and he thought, you know what, I'm a witty pastor, I'm going to leave a witty note, and he just wrote Revelation 3.20, slid it under the door. Do you know what Revelation 3.20 says? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears, they'll open to me, I'll come in, yada, yada, yada. So he's like, oh, I'm pretty cool. So the next Sunday, he's at church, and he sees the lady, he's so glad that she's there, and she leaves a little note for him, in the offering plate, and he, after church he gets it, he sees it, and he looks, he says, huh, Genesis 3.10. I wonder what that says. Do you know what Genesis 3.10 says? Behold, I was in the garden, and I heard you, and I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> so I hid. <laughs> Another fruit of authenticity, not nakedness. It's so great, isn't it? Another fruit of authenticity is that we hide less. Dallas has a great way of luring us into this image game, doesn't it? Hey, take it up a notch all the way. Yeah, more, more. There we go, all the way up there. Dallas does that to us. It's in the culture, it's in the air, it's in the food, it's in the water, it's in whatever. In authenticity, we recognize our brokenness. We acknowledge God's love for us, his goodness towards us. We don't, have to, we don't have to hide from people. 
We don't have to do the image game, the image management thing. Hmm. We're also confident in setting boundaries because we know who we are and who we're not when we're authentic. I don't know about you, but when I'm not, when I'm trying to impress or do something or achieve, I'm going to overextend. I'm going to take on too much and I'm not going to say no. No doesn't mean I don't like you, which is for a pleaser like me, that's what I feel when I say that or when I experience that. But authenticity, the fruit of that is a place where we can set boundaries. Say, you know, I'd love to do that, but I can't. Or I'd love to participate in that, but I can't right now. Or you know what, family member or so-and-so or whatever. So authenticity breeds boundaries, but also it breeds transformation. As we live in this environment of beholding and becoming, we realize that we cannot see God and stay the same. That worship and our life together by faith. Now remember, when we say these prayers, when we sing these songs, when we do these rogation days, when we pray and fast, we engage in spiritual disciplines and practices, it's not like it's magic when it's just going to, we're just going to perform these spells over us. It's something that we engage in by faith. Every, every word we sing, every prayer we pray, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. All desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. We do it by faith. Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the Gentiles and heap up tons of phrases because they think they're going to be heard by their many words. He says, but go into your room and pray in secret, and your Father who hears in secret will hear you and see you. When we pray, we do so by faith. We have to pray in public. It's a function of our life together as the church. But when we do it, we do it by faith. And as we do so, we not only experience formation where God shapes us, where God makes us who we already are and trims and prunes us and winnows us and strengthens us and undergirds us. So we have formation, but we also have transformation where we're becoming that which we are not. We're, we're, our nature is being changed. We're literally becoming more like God. What did St. Paul say? From one degree of glory to another. So authenticity breeds transformation. Lastly, authenticity breeds generosity. Hmm. Because we're clear about our brokenness. We're clear about our brokenness and we're confident in God's goodness. We can be generous. We can be generous with our time. We can be available for other people. We can make emotional space at our table for relationships. We can say yes to things. We can be generous also with what we have, we've been talking the last couple of weeks at the announcements. You've received giving letters or emails or some sort of form of communication about our financial standing and our, our uh, fiscal year as we wrap up. But one of the things that we need to realize is God is building us into an authentic community or a community that values authenticity is that generosity is part of that. We acknowledge that everything that we have is from God. You all are very talented people, very gifted people. And everything that God has given you has been a gift to you. And he invites us 
to use it for our enjoyment and for his good and his glory. The same thing goes with his daily bread that he provides for us. So we rest in his goodness always to provide and care for us. We remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You see the lilies of the field? You see the sparrows? The sparrows don't store up in the barns and they have plenty of food to eat. The lilies don't sow or buy or go to Milan, which is nothing wrong with going to Milan, fashion week. But they're clothed more gloriously than Solomon. And Jesus says, you seek first the kingdom of God. He said, the Gentiles, they seek after all these other things. The Gentiles, those who don't have faith, those who don't live in the freedom of the children of God. And yes, it was a specific group of people at that time, but think of it for our context now. People who don't trust God seek after that stuff wildly. Dallas teaches us to do that so that we can show and we can be and we can be competent. But that's not really authentic because we're broken and we're needful. And so Jesus says, don't seek after that first. Seek first my kingdom. And what will happen? All that stuff will follow. I want to thank you for praying and fasting over the rogation days. The thing, one of the things that struck me in those days was the fundamental importance of the Lord's Prayer. And for me, for several months here at St. Bart's, when I say, give us this day our daily bread, I, I say that for me and my family, but I say it for us. Lord, what do we need today? Is it bread bread? Is it bread bread? Is it your word bread? Give it to us today. I don't know what we need. Give it to us today. So we're free to be generous with what we have here. We're free to sow into the kingdom of God. So just after Jesus says, seek first this, my kingdom, he says, don't be fooled. You can't serve both God and money. So as you acknowledge who you're serving, is it God or is it money? Live authentically into that. Store up treasures in heaven. Dallas Wheeler beautifully unpacks the Sermon on the Mount in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. And he talks about treasures. He says that's really anything that we love deeply with our heart. And there are a lot of things that we treasure. And they're good things and they're beautiful. But whenever we take our treasuring of those things and then we put our security in it, that's when Willard says, you're stepping out of bounds of the kingdom of God and you're stepping into your own kingdom. If we want to live the truly eternal life now, if we want to live in the kingdom of the heavens, as Willard says it, we're going to put God as our treasure. And then what we do with our treasure, with our time, our talent, our money, our resources, is going to reflect sowing into that kingdom of God. So remember that as we build an authentic community here, as we sow something in East Dallas, God planted a seed and it spread and it grew and it's spreading and it's growing. So remember, when you're giving, you're not just giving to something, like, oh, they meet at 5 p.m. on Sunday nights. Well, this is the, something of the kingdom of the heavens that God is building. So we're free to be generous when we live with authenticity.
Friends, God has put us here to connect the people of East Dallas with God and his people so that we might behold him and become more like him. As we do that, you will experience greater and greater authenticity with God and with each other. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for this church. It's my favorite church, and it's probably your favorite too. <laughs> I thank you for a, what a restful place it is to be, that none of us have to perform, that there's no yoke or burden that you're putting on us to do anything beyond what you've called us to do. So over the next five weeks, as we live into this vision of connecting with the people of East Dallas and bringing them to you, as we live into these values, especially that of authenticity, we beg you to embolden us and empower us, empower us to rest, to trust, to set boundaries, to say yes, to not hide from you or from other people, to be vulnerable responsibly, and to be generous with everything that you've given us because the earth is yours in the fullness thereof. We pray it through Jesus' name, our ascended high priest and mediator. Amen.